and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm excited, as I always am, for my guest today, Miss Zaina El-Sayed. How are you, Zaina? Good. How are you, Tyler? I am so good. Thanks so much for coming on. You and I have been chit-chatting away, and like I often make the mistake. I'm like, just push record, Tyler. Just get the episode started. We, You are founder of Trusted Divorce and creator of the constructive divorce process. I'm going to be bold, and you and I have been chatting offline, so I'm not going to catch you off guard with this one. Divorce is kind of a dirty word. Nobody wants to talk mm-hmm. about it. It's never associated rarely with anything positive. The rare couple I know, they're like, no, we got a divorce. Best thing ever happened. Now we're great friends. That feels like an outlier. So just talk to me a little bit about your world of divorce and maybe maybe redefine what divorce maybe can can mean when you approach it with maybe a different uh, a whole different mindset. Yeah, um, I think I mentioned last time we spoke uh, is that this uh, time and age, people can be whatever they want to be. Um, they can express their sexuality. They can change from male to female. They can decide to have kids or not have kids. Like we are open to all kinds of societal criteria. But when it comes to divorce, it's this like hush, like don't talk about it, avoid it as much as you can. And then when it hits you, you just have no idea what to do with it. And it's just like a big blow up and, and you suffer through it. Uh, so because people ignore it, they stay away from it. Um, they, um, again, like you said, it's a dirty word. When it hits them, it's it's this big um, wash of shame that, that also hits them. And they just don't know what to do with it. They don't tell their friends. They don't go to support groups. And it becomes harder than it what it actually can be. And this is what I'm what I'm on a mission to do is to change how people, Albertans specifically, think of divorce and process divorce and and um, go through divorce because it does not have to be painful, long and expensive. What an interesting I really love the paradigm you set up about how much more open. And I think that's an amazing thing. And I still think we have a lot of work to do to sexuality and like things that were, you know, have been very taboo for a long time, but yet the, but yet divorce still lives in that black bag that we, nobody wants to talk about. Is there a risk or do you think, again, this is what we're just prophesizing now. We're really, we're prophesizing we're only five minutes in. Is that because it just is it's failure. It goes against this, like, a legal agreement? Because let's talk about the legalities. You get married. It's like setting up a company. For anyone who's had to unwind a corporation, it's not easy to do either. It's It goes one way. I don't know. I always feel when there's positive momentum, even if there's a lot of steps, it feels easier. But to take something apart, if we destigmatize divorce, is there a risk that all of a sudden there might be this perception, well, geez, everyone's going to get divorced because now we've made it okay? Or I don't know. Is there weird criteria that are behind the line, that are, that are behind the veil here that we're not addressing when all of these other items that you clarified are becoming much more accepted for people to do what's actually best for them and what's true to their heart. But geez, oh my God, but don't get divorced. Whatever you do, suffer through it. <laughs> it's failing in public, I think. Mm-hmm. Wow. We all fail every day, but we fail privately. But when we divorce, you can, we, I mean, you can hide it for as long as you, you possibly are able to, but then in the end, people are going to know that you're getting a divorce and it's, it feels like a big failure. And with the failure, it comes, like I said, the shame, the guilt, the, you know, I'm not a good husband, wife, I'm not a good parent. Um, I failed myself. I failed society. I failed, you know, my spouse. Um, so there's a lot of that going on. And I think that, you know, I, I'm doing everything I can to show people that it does not have to be a disaster. But I also advocate working on your inner self and and your your relationship with yourself and and um, believing that this does not have to be like the, 
it's it's horrible. I mean, I can I have not gone through it, but I have worked with hundreds of people who have, and I I know like every time somebody comes in to sign their documents, probably eight out of ten cry. So I I get that, but it's also doing the work like anything else in life so that you can move through it and come out of it stronger and and better and um, happier. Are you see? uh, I love the concept of, you know, we fail privately and I I, I think our society is working hard to destigmatize failure and it's easy to talk about until it's you. And then it's like, oh no, it's okay to fail that we call it learning and we're failing forward. And there's so much, there's a lot of trendiness around failure but I still think there's a lot of deep-rooted hooks for all of us from the way we were grown, the way we were raised, and maybe there's a new generation coming after or coming behind us. Hopefully, that's learning from our mistakes and being a little bit more okay with failure. But I know a lot of people that say they're okay with failure until it happens. I'm, my, and I'm putting myself firmly in that. I talk about failure all the time, but man, when it happens to me, I, I hate it. <laughs> I absolutely hate mm-hmm. it. So when you talk with people and they reach out to you, it is is it a logical conversation of what are the steps to divorce, or do you get do you end up yourself and your team, do you end up right in those really human conversations really quickly? I'm starting to, to do that. And I don't know, like I'm, I'm, I've changed at the beginning. I was like, Oh yeah, you have two kids, you have a house, you've got some RSPs. Here's what you can do. It's a formula. Now I'm like, you know, how do you feel? Where's your spouse in this? Cause, cause you get that a lot where in uh, divorce, um, is also um, a place where you're going through you know, the grief cycle. And so I'm always curious, like, so you're here in the grief cycle, where's your spouse? Because that's where I think um, when they're both not on the same level, um, it gets harder because one is like towards the end and they're like, yeah, we're done, you know, uh, I've, I'm over this. I've, I've gone through all the all the grief cycle and, and I'm good to go. Uh, while the other one is like in, still in shock and um, negotiation and all that. So anyway, so I do get into it because I, I feel that like that's another way that I that I'm supporting people is is like helping them understand where they are, where the other person is, how to maneuver through the first bit of it because that's like the ugliest part where you have to tell your spouse or you have to figure out parenting or. So, so I try to help them understand where they are in that process, um, the kind of personal level, and then and then give them an idea of when you are ready. Here's what you can do to avoid um, lawyers, to avoid combat, to avoid um, the high expenses. Um, and so we get we get into the practical side. I really like the, and I'm, I'll be candid. I've been through I've been through a divorce as a child of divorce as an adult child. I think I was forty or maybe 39 mm-hmm. when my parents got divorced. And it was very much, my mom went through a process and then at the end told my dad about it. And the poor guy was like, what the, what? Like he had wanted nothing yeah. to do with it. And, but they got there because communication had broken down and clearly they had become different people, which just led to the lack of communication. Like when you look at it, it almost couldn't have ended differently, but geez, it would have been really nice if it, if it did end differently. But I watched mm-hmm. that and it, you know, I, I, again, not to go down too far down this, at 40, I kind of thought I should be okay with it, but I was not okay with it. So, you know, there it is such a powerful thing, even as a child of, of a parent who get divorced, probably no matter what age you're at. I think it was, I told, someone told me it was worse because I thought it shouldn't bother me. So therefore I thought I was not going to be bothered by it, which actually set me up. But to watch the two of them get completely out of sync with their communication, it made the divorce, they did it amicably and they had, you know, assets to split up and it did end up going okay at the end because I think they were both so hell bent on not giving a whole bunch of money to lawyers. It forced them back together mm. to communicate, <laughs> mm, you know, yeah. the common enemy I think in that case was we're not going to do this because that's going to screw both of us over. <laughs> 
that's it, smart. it actually got them back that's at the smart. table. <laughs> I, I, so, so I'm curious. I know you're interviewing me, but I'm just <laughs> curious as an adult child. What was your what was the biggest thing for you? What was the most thing you've struggled with? It was looking at behaviors from the outside that I had, quote unquote, been raised to think were not the right behaviors. I watched two grownups that had like set an example and had given me that this is this is the rule book, right? This is the values. This is how you live your life. And I watched two people. I won't I won't pick anyone because that we're past that and we're good. But there were certain people in that situation. I was like, you're not acting like you told me was OK to act like you're breaking the rules. This is the these are the family rules that I was taught rules. I say that loosely. These are the values that I was instilled with. And I see you not living these values. And that was incredibly hard for me. And there's also that you're supposed to stay together because that's how you are to me. That's my relationship with family and Christmas and all the you know events and holidays and those things. Mm-hmm. There was that, but more importantly, there was a break in the values deal. Like you are not living mm-hmm. the values right now. You're a hurting human, but I didn't want to see that. I was just upset that you weren't you weren't following the rule book that you laid out for me that I believed to be true and that I followed. And it took me a while to get over that, in which I have. But that's what it was. It was a it was a very deep values misalignment that just actually made me quite. I really pissed me off actually at the time, mm-hmm. for sure. I appreciate the question. But I think it gives you an idea of how how difficult it is for people to the point where they are functioning outside themselves their normal self, right? Yes. Like they, there's so, yep. there's so much anger and sadness and despair and all that stuff that they, um, they're just not, they, they stop acting as per their values. And I think what, you know, what I try to do and what I, what I hope that, you know, a lot of the divorce professionals do is kind of give people that wake up call that like, Hey, like you don't, you do not, you do not have to be this way or take time to process things so that you can function and you can kind of reconnect with your values and, and continue to, to live through them. Mm. While still allowing yourself to go through what arguably could be the biggest emotional and financial transition in your, in your adult life. <laughs> yes. So curious, you know, and one of the things I love about doing the show is listen to us talk. A lot of people might be just like, wow, who wants to deal with this every day? <laughs> so I'm curious for your own journey, what brought, you know, and, and I know you're happily married for a long time. We talked about that when we first met, but what, yeah. what, what brought you into this and how has it evolved? Like I'm assuming where you are today is maybe not what you signed up for X amount of years ago, which when you thought, what you thought you were getting into, like most of us in our careers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I got a, so so way back in in 2007. I got a job as a divorce clerk um, at the courthouse. Okay. So I started there and I worked my way up uh, to the point where I was actually managing the entire court queen's bench for a period of time. Um, and I was happily working government worker. I thought I would retire as a, gov- a government employee. And um, they, there was a position that I had my eye on. So I was acting as Court of Queen's Bench Manager, um, but I really wanted this job as permanently. And um, the, job, the job was open and I worked really hard for it. And I thought, this is it. Like, this is, this is my, mm-hmm. my, my, my career. This is my future. And I did not get the job. And I was devastated. I was devastated. I remember I was, I couldn't sleep for two weeks. I was depressed. Oh, wow. That's real. <laughs> I felt like my career ended. What am I going to do now? I have no goals. You know, I'm like very goal oriented. I'm like, what am I going to dream of now? Like there's, there's nothing further to that. 
and um, I was sad for myself for a while, show up late to work, like just totally disconnected. And, um, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go a bit deep into the story. Okay. I no, I love a good say. Hey, we've got the time. I Please tell was... the story. It's important. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so I really wanted to know why I did not get the job. Um, it meant so much to me. So I remember having this conversation with the person who made the decision because the person who did get the job um, is like half has has half my experience to you know they don't have the leadership skills that I do they don't have um, you know the education that I do they have not done as much work as I have done in the court system so it, it blew me it, like blew me away why would they choose her over me not only did you not get the job but you couldn't rationalize like there's a situation where you're like oh you know what that person is really good I understand that was not what happened <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. If, if it were someone with like, you know, more education, more skills, I'd be like, yeah, perfect. I'm going to learn from this person and I'm going to like think of like my next move. In, <laughs> and I'll take in, their in, job in, in a couple of years. But anyways, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> but it wasn't like that at all. It was like, I did not get it. I'm like, what's what's going on? And of course, like you, you personalize things like. There's something wrong with me. Why did not? Why did they not choose me? And I remember having this conversation with the person who made the decision, who also has been my mentor for a while. So I thought, like, for sure, she knows what I'm about. Like, for sure, she she choose me. And she kind of beat around the, around the bush for a while. Did not want to tell me why I didn't get the job. And then she finally said, "Zaina, you need to work on your soft skills." Oh, and I remember. Interesting. Ooh, okay. I, I remember myself sitting there like. I was crying, my, my, my hair, like I have curly hair. It was like all over the place. I was like, <laughs> you, devastated. you weren't, you weren't like, your best self. You weren't your best self. No, no, no. And then I, like, I remember looking at her going, what? Because you have to work on your soft skills. I'm like, what does that even mean? And she's like, you just have to be softer with the employees. You have to, you have to be, you know, more, um, you know, you have, you have, you have to accept things more and, and things like that. So I had this like, you know, huge, who am I, you know, mm -hmm. do I offend people? Am I like, you know, am, am I, am I, um, am, am I, am I being rude? Like, what does she mean by that? So anyway, um, so that really, that really, um, hit me hard. And I was like, you know, and all of a sudden I'm like reassessing everything. Like every time I talk to someone, I'm like apologizing. Did I offend you? Like, am I not being soft enough? All of that. And then my husband went, once uh, said to me, Zaina, like, you apologize for everything. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, I love I loved the way you are. Like, you're direct. You're, you know, you, you say what's on your mind. You, but you're still respectful. Like, you, you're just you're just being this other person now. So I'm like, oh. So I did not want to believe him. I went ahead and did this, like, very extensive personality test. And I'm like, you know, who am I? What and how, many years, it, how many years it, ago it, was this? How long ago? I'm curious. Th this was... Um, this was in 20, well, it was about six years ago, six, seven years okay. ago. Yep. Okay, I got it. I, yeah. I appreciate the honesty because I think a lot of times I, I know a lot of friends that uh, that, I, that have like had moments in their life where someone gave them a piece of feedback that literally changed the trajectory of their life and caused them to yeah. take that reflection. And it's it's interesting. And I've, I, I love that you're being honest about it because I think if you're living a life where you're open to that type of input like it's always it's always there and a lot of people are just close are close to it and uh, i'm interested to see how it obviously how it how it worked out but it's a powerful journey and i think most people don't want to be honest as impactful as some a small what could be a benign piece of feedback can actually have on someone like good, good mm -hmm. and or bad but but powerful 
Anyway, sorry, go on with the story. I think in I the end the it's always good. Mm, yeah, I think in the end it's always good because mm. I ended up, so, you know, I had this, I, I got this personality test done and I was really, really worried that I'm an aggressive person. And then this personality test shows that I'm not aggressive, I'm assertive. So I'm like, okay, that's not so bad. But in any case, I'm just going through all this and I'm like, you know what? I don't fit in there anymore. I, I, um, I If I'm being seen as this, you know, I need to, I need to be soft or I don't fit or if that's why I lost the job. I didn't think that that was something that I would accept. So I'm like, okay, so what's the next thing for me? And so my husband turned to me one time and said, do you know divorce more than any, anyone else in Alberta? Cause I've done, I've worked in the divorce section for, for a number of years at that point. And I've talked to a lot of judges. I know kind of what they look for in, in divorce, uh, files. And he said, um, just start your own divorce divorce company and I started you know started at that point I was very small I didn't even have an office I would meet people in coffee shops they can only you know pay by cash like it was like really 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 super small. grassroots and now it's, it's grown so you I, this reminds me of a, fr- a good a very close friend of mine she said to me years ago and it was kind of the nicest thing someone ever said to me she goes Tyler you're always going to be an entrepreneur because you're unemployable <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, that is that. I, 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 I took it as a compliment. Actually, I'm like, you know what? You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Oh, what a pow- what a powerful journey. And I, and again, I know we talked about a little bit even my own situation in in like values. And you and I talked a little bit offline, and we won't go too far off on this tangent. But you know, we both grew up. I grew up in Quebec. I grew up just in in Montreal, where people were incredibly direct. And I know you didn't grow up in Canada. You grew up overseas in an environment where being direct, like there is cultural nuances. And I think it's, it's fun to mm-hmm. identify that. And as Calgary and Western Canada becomes, you know, I grew up, spent a lot of time in Montreal and Toronto, a huge amount of ethnic diversity. And I moved to Alberta mm-hmm. 20 years ago and I was like, it's all white people here. This is kind of interesting, <laughs> you know? And, and I say that you know, very loosely, clearly it is more diverse than that. But over the last 20 years, we've had a lot of diversity. And you think about the workplace, you think about marriage, you think about human interaction, there's a lot of, it's a, as the world becomes even more of a cultural melting pot, which a lot of the world is, maybe just not Western, like Alberta always, I think it's exciting and important for people to understand that there are just different ways of engaging. It doesn't make them wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. my own, there's my little soapbox moment on that. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I, I was never told that I was uh, direct or assertive, aggressive, whatever. Um, so where where did you grow up? In Lebanon. In Lebanon. Mm. Lebanon. And when, Tripoli, Lebanon. And when did you, uh, how long have you been, uh, how long have you been in Alberta? I think about 22, 23 years. Also similar to, yeah, yeah, I moved here in 2000. So kind of the same time, time flies, but as we yeah. we'll get, let's sound like old people when we talk like that. Oh my God, do you remember back in 2000? <laughs> so you, so you, so, so you started your own business. Was it like, now we're now, now we're having an entrepreneurial conversation. Was it scary or was it, this is my only option. I'm just going to make it happen. I don't think I realized what business is when I stepped into it. <laughs> Ignor- like ignorance people- is bliss sometimes. Absolutely. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people, if they knew all the work that's required, they would not, they would not do it. Yes. But for those of us who are unemployable, like you and I, we realized maybe we have no choice. It was probably best. We didn't know what we were getting into. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so you, you beating with people in coffee shops, ex- accepting envelopes of cash. Sorry, I'm painting a picture here of this <laughs> painting, uh, you know, uh, and, and obviously you got good feedback. It was working. Like, so for you, what was that validation mm-hmm. to say, okay, I'm going to keep going to the, cause there's always those check boxes in business where like, okay, I'm going to take a bit more risk or I feel a bit more comfortable. And you kind of get, yo, grow your fish tank and you get a bigger fish tank. What was that journey like for you? Was it, was it the win? Was it the positive impact on people? Was it financially that it actually started to work? But I know in business that, that part can take a while. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's everything. Um, I remember one time I so I was um, I would travel often to Edmonton because I, I the first the first while I would just take any client from anywhere. Like I would help anyone. Uh, I would try to figure it out, even if I didn't know, even if it were something you know court related, but it's not exactly divorce. I would still like take take the take the file and figure it out. So I remember. Uh, the first kind of like, oh my God, this might be working um, time. I was in Edmonton and I had met two people and then like I was in my car kind of like with my bag and like all my stationery and, you know, because I was meeting people like stapling documents and like highlight like, like all of it, like I'm moving paralegal. And so, and then I got another call from someone. They're like, hey, you know, you do divorce. Can can you, can you, can you talk to me? And I'm like, oh my God. Like I hung up the phone. I'm like, this is the third client. This is I working. It's today. working. This is awesome. It's working. <laughs> and how, like from that point, you're, this is, you're literally a one woman show. Like I'm, I'm just curious, yes. as the business evolved, did you get mentors? Did you have people to give you advice? Like to your point about not, not like, business is a complicated thing that sometimes, you know, we all, it's easy to minimize when you get involved just because you don't know any better. Along your journey, did you have people that helped you that kind of came in from the outside at different stages that were like, whoa, 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 don't step there. Oh, wait, you maybe should do like my friend always jokes, you know, there's always someone who stepped on the landmine you're about to step on. Make sure you make sure you get them to tell you to step somewhere different. I thought that, that always sticks with me in business. Well, have you had a lot of coaches? I'm curious. I have. Yes. I would say okay. there's hardly any time in my life that I haven't had someone from a personal development, mm-hmm. your comment early about, cause I still believe that the personal development comes first, then your marriage, then your business, then your relationships, then your friendships, because you yeah. can take all the business courses in the world. If you're not good with you, forget about it. You're still going to be a terrible leader in my opinion. Yes. <laughs> or a terrible yeah. husband yeah, or a terrible friend or a terrible son, daughter, whatever the case may be. So for me, it's always been a big part of my life and I've been involved in executive yeah. groups like, uh, like tech EO, uh, pure environments where I'm one definitely far from the smartest person in the room, but also mm-hmm. with people that have your best interest in mind and not scared to tell you when they think you're doing something wrong. And I, I find huge value in that because it's really uncomfortable. That's why I know it's got value. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and it takes, uh, it takes courage to, to push yourself and, and be in those environments. Yes. Again, you know, e- easy, easy to talk want. about, hard to do sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so has that been, has that been, has that been a factor for you or was it more just like Um, run as fast as you can and chew as fast as you can chew or all those metaphors they use in business? uh, So the first, I think two or three years, I could not afford a coach, but I did a lot of reading. Mm. Like there are some books that have shaped the way that I thought. It's what most Um, impactful book as, as for everyone who can't see us right now, there's a stack of books behind you on the shelf. So your stories, your story is very credible. Checks out, Sina. Um, but a couple, any, any books that you would recommend or books that were not even recommend that were just really impactful for you? I love The Big Leap. Mm, okay. Uh, Gay Hendrick. Okay. Um, that was like huge. And I, and if you do pick up this book, uh, anyone who's listening, go through it slowly and, and do the, the homework and, and really reflect work. on things. It was huge for me. Huge. Um, the Giant Within for uh tony robbins i have a lot of tony um, robbins in my background as well nice for good reference <laughs> i love yeah i love his style and then martha beck she has a lot of good books the one that i read is um the uh finding your north star mm, i've not read that but i have a couple friends that have i love i i think i remember tony robbins back from his personal power like the first first one like his box set on cd that he put out i might even had cassettes i think back in the day <laughs> now i'm super distant people are like cassettes what is he talking about 
Uh, my audience knows what, what it, knows what a cassette is. Um, and Tony Robbins is still killing it today. I have a buddy who's uh, signed up for his, I don't know, his like master program where he like literally flies all over the world to attend Tony Robbins events on like a regular basis. It's, I think it's like a hundred. And like are they like small groups? No, uh, they're small intimate groups, but he also goes to the big like kind of rock star events. It's like, he's mm. literally like a, like a preacher. Like he's evangel so evangelistic, but I have a friend who's gotten so much value out of it. And he's, he just got back from mm -hmm. Texas. He like hangs out with them all the time and they have the wow. intimate side of it, but he also goes to these like, just I, I call them rock shows. Cause it's kind of like what they look like from the outside, the music, the lights, the power techniques. Yeah, yeah, I've been to one there. They're also uncomfortable because they make you like sing and, and they make dance push you out of your comfort zone. <laughs> hug, yeah, I give hugs to strangers and <laughs> which is so awesome. I think that life, like as an entrepreneur, you're always like I think one foot outside your comfort zone if you're growing. Yeah, and if you're not growing, then you're going the opposite direction. I don't think in entrepreneurship, or especially in small business, there is no status quo. You're either growing or you're not. And if you're not growing, yeah. the world is, and you're kind of being left left behind. So it's been it's been yeah. seven eight years. It's been six six years ago since you had like. The feedback set. We'll just call it the session because there's before feedback and after feedback. I feel for for pre present and post. How's the business evolved? Like, give us a little bit of kind of where where's it's risen to. It started to work. You're getting traction. You got three calls in one day. For anyone who started yeah. a small business, those are exciting days. Like, if you don't think you're in sales, you're kidding yourself. We're all in sales when you're in business. <laughs> We're all in sales. You gotta learn sales. Yeah. You cannot give it to someone else. You have to do it. You cannot delegate sales. Um, and then I, I grew a little, so then I got like a, a, a tiny office. I honestly think it was like four by two office in like, Amazing. <laughs> in, in like a, a really rundown um, uh, building downtown. So I was there and then I, I started to add services. So now I was doing mediation. So then I moved to a bigger office because, you know, with mediation, you could charge a little more. And then I got more files. And, and you, I can and you can't put both parties inside the same room the whole time in mediation. You got to have places well, they tried, can go. I tried. I talked about the one time where <laughs> I had a couple where they're like baby and toddler. <laughs> we're all in that room <laughs> and, and doing the mediation. But then I'm like, I'm good at mediation. You know, let me, because I have the train, I have the mediation training, but I was, mm -hmm. I think in the beginning I was afraid to get into mediation. Um, but I did, I started doing mediation. I'm like, Hey, I'm good at this. I can, I can get people to agree and to, and to settle on things within, you know, two to three hours. I, I think I'm, I think I know what I'm doing. So then of course, you know, doing more mediations, adding more services, financial analysis, planning assets and liabilities, all of that, that I wasn't doing at the beginning. And, um, and then, you know, the team started to grow. Then I moved to a bigger office, um, and, and, and more offices for, for my team. And now it's amazing helping hundreds of Albertans all over Alberta. Um, we are like the go-to company for amicable divorces and, uh, we truly can take it from A to Z with no lawyers and, and people love that. And I'm assuming I, we won't get into the details, but at a significant cost reduction than the slugfest of two lawyers fighting it out for for 18 months. Huge. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> I have a friend who just went through that, and it dragged on for I think two years. And yeah, the lawyers did really well. Let's just put it that. And that, that yeah. That is often the yeah. I'm curious. So you've been obviously the last five years. We've got two years of that, which is COVID. What, and this is maybe a weird question. Have you seen trends in terms of divorce? Is it going up? Is it going down? Is there more amicable? Is there not? Like, cause I've heard, oh geez, you know, COVID, there's going to be all these divorces after because people were stuck in the house with someone they didn't like. And, you know, you hear those mm -hmm. things getting thrown around, but I have no idea what's true and what's not. Um, so for us, um, calls quadrupled between uh, pre-COVID and post-COVID. Oh, okay. So like the March when COVID hit, 
um, it was March 2020, right? Yes. Yeah. When, Mar March when March 16th when Alberta actually, because that was our, our last day in the office was Friday the 13th and then the 16th. And, mm. and we've never been back in our office since. <laughs> yeah. 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 So between January that year and, and um, April, because I think everybody okay. froze when it first hit and, and nobody wanted to do anything. Like the, 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 the phone lines were not ringing at all. Like I think people just were like in freeze mode. Yep. And then when they got some time to think, they started calling. But I don't think, I don't believe um, that COVID caused divorces or more divorces. Okay. I think people have had problems all along, but uh, COVID heightened those problems and kind of put them in, in people's faces so they couldn't ignore them anymore. They couldn't go to work and kind of forget about their spouse all day and then come home and be busy with the kids all night and never talk to their spouse. Now they're like with them all the time. They have to make all these decisions and have conversations. So then that's when it, it really hit people and, and it pushed them sort of off the cliff. Up to that point, up to kind of January 2020, was was it fairly like was was divorce consistent like had it gone up had it gone down like let's let's just back it out before covid were there any trends in either directions or is it a relatively is it a good business model because there's always going to be a consistent need a consistent demand or was there before yeah COVID? i think it I think it it it's been it was stable before COVID. Like I like the company was growing mm -hmm. and and year after year it was scaling. So I was, you know, we were getting more clients. Um, but just knowing what I know from working at the courthouse, I know that on an average, when I worked there, um, we would file around three hundred divorces every month okay. in Calgary only. Okay. So, and then you've got all these other jurisdictions. Um, so it, and it has been consistent for the last few years. Um, so there's always, yeah, there's always divorce happening. And it's interesting, like you talk about cultures and, and the differences that we have. Um, you see trends in cultures, like Asians very rarely divorce. Like they, they will live miserably till the end of time and they would never file. Mm. Um, divorce. Um, you've got like other other cultures are more prone to it. They're more accepting of it. Interesting. And also in the way they process it, right? Like uh, you see a lot of changes, and it's very interesting. So so that um, that has nothing to do with the with the overall numbers. But I just it came to me how you know I was thinking of the files that we were processing mm -hmm. at the courthouse, um, and sort of like where they come from, or you know what what ethnicities uh, usually file for divorce and, and that, that, that's an interesting in itself. That is well, I, so, so much of our conversation comes back to different values and different cultural belief sets and kind of how they contribute and that failing in mm -hmm. public and that saving face is really powerful in a lot of cultures, not just around divorce in around in around anything, just failure is, you know, especially if it's some, somebody who's at a certain stature in that society, depending on how the class base works. So many interesting factors of, you know, you, you you suffer through it. You said that really early in it. And that's such an interesting kind of badge of honor that I think is becoming less in our society as people are less willing to suffer. And mm -hmm. hopefully we create more permissibility so people don't have to suffer. It's, it feels so preventable mm -hmm. on a lot of, on a, on a lot mm -hmm. of fronts. Mm -hmm. So how many, how big's your team? I'm sorry. How do you judge? You said you've scaled and you've grown your business. It's always easy to ask how many people you have, but how do you gauge your mm -hmm. business in terms of where it was to now? Is it just the amount of files you see, or is it the amount of people on, on your team? Like, what's your, what are your measurements that you look for in your business? 
uh, as far as scaling. Mm -hmm. Like your business is bigger than it was a year ago. Is it that you're seeing more, yeah, you're getting more files, but you also have a bigger team. Like how many people on your team? I always, I don't want to default to just asking how many employees you have. That's not a fair example of size. It could mean yeah. so many different things. Yeah, I don't think the I don't think how many people is is like right now I have four um, uh, hiring fifth, um, but um, I don't think how many is is a measure because I have had more in the past, but like part timers and contractors. But it's the, you know the, the um, you start the business and then it starts growing and and I think the the good measure of growth is. You know, you have moved people from contract to employment. You know, you have you have benefit plans. You have um, you have like more structure, um, as well as revenues. I mean, that's that's a big thing. It, it, um, it, it, it does pay for the party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so more, you, you, you feel your, your business is maturing more. I like what you said. You took people from contract to now full time, which then allows you to put them on benefits, and it creates more of a quality mm -hmm. of life for the people that that you work with. And you know, it COVID quadrupled calls. How's that, has that, I'm assuming that hasn't sustained, has that kind of, like there was a wave and is it stabilizing back now? Would you say we're back to mm -hmm. where we were in January, 2020? Yeah, I would think so. Okay, interesting. I would think so. Right, so it is yeah. kind of stabilizing. Mm -hmm. So some of those things we heard in the media were talking about, oh my God, it's going to be on the rise because people are in lockdown. That was a real thing for you in the first few months of COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now maybe I'm going to put you in the, in the, the coach counselor chair. Like, so I'm listening to this and maybe I'm in a position in my life where I'm like thinking about divorce is the only option, or I'm not sure I'm, I'm at that stage before I start Googling and reaching out and making phone calls, any advice or any thoughts or what, you know, what, what would you say to someone before they become your client? <laughs> and maybe that sounds like counterintuitive, but I don't think you'll ever yeah. have a limitation. Uh, they'll, they'll, unfortunately there'll never be a lack of people looking for an amicable divorce. Yeah. I, hopefully there'll be more, but if someone was going to maybe think about it or think about it differently, anything that you would, any advice you'd give from all your experience? It's funny you say that because we're, we, we get calls sometimes and people are in that space where it's like, you know, I don't think it's working, but I don't think we're getting back together. I'm not sure. I think we should get a divorce. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was talking to Holly on my team and I'm like, maybe we should start, um, maybe it's some like coaching or, or conversation provoking sessions where we get people in and we, we talk about it because I think that sometimes people jump into it too fast. And I think that there aren't a lot of options. I mean, people go to counseling, but that doesn't always work out and they don't really know what other things they can do. So when I was talking to Holly, we realized that communication and, 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 the ability to talk to your spouse in a way that's effective and constructive and loving it knowledge around that is missing. Well, if you think so about in life, anything, where, where do we get taught that? Like we go to learn to do this and we go to learn to do that. And we take a course for this very rare, unless people as individuals seek out like, you know, on, on, on our, on our interviews, when we, when we hire, we look for people that are, you know, uh, effective communicators. And the question is, what have you, what have you done to be an effective communicator? And they kind of look at you like, no, I'm an effective communicator. I'm like, you've never taken a course. You've never been trained on it. What makes you say you're good at it? <laughs> but that's a really interesting mm -hmm. like, human, like we're all supposed to be good at working out, even though we've never been to the gym. You know, that's a very guy thing sometimes, <laughs> but I'm curious, <laughs> like that's a really interesting proposition to just focus, you know, calling it coaching or calling it counseling. How about just being effective at communicating with the people in your life? Seems like the foundation, but yet we don't get, tr we get trained on it by accident sometimes or by, or by bad experience. 
I know I was I was really naive when I was taking my mediation course and and um, our instructor was talking about how important communication is and how like it's vital to our living and, and all that stuff. And I and I raised my hand and I said to her, how come we're not born with it? And she just like, I don't have an answer to this, but I'm like, really, like, it's so <laughs> essential that I'm like, how come we don't know this innately? Because it's so huge. You cannot do anything without being a good communicator. And it doesn't mean that you have to know all the fancy words. I think in my mind, a good communicator is you know your values to start with. You know why you're doing what you're doing. And you can communicate that to the other person. Mm -hmm. And also on the flip side, you are open-minded and understand that they may not have the same values as you. And that's okay. And let's just have a conversation about it. That's a big one of of being okay that because... You know, it's the old joke. I, you know, I'm the only one driving the right speed. The person going slow is annoying. The person going too fast is reckless, but I'm driving perfectly. Values are a little bit right. like that as well. <laughs> right. Well, clearly how I see it is the way everyone should see it. And that permissibility to know that it, it's, you're, you're not wrong because someone else thinks differently. Really, well, now, now I'm putting on my business marketing hat. Really interesting concept to actually, you know, add an element to your business that at face value would appear that it was actually taking away from your business. <laughs> But the relationships and the trust and the, you know, we take, amica- you know, if you, what you stand for is am- being amicable, you're taking that so seriously, you're willing to help people be more amicable, even if it risks them, quote unquote, not having to use your services for divorce. That's a really interesting kind of marketing angle because it makes your, if that's your brand promise, that makes it, that makes it very real than just saying it. <laughs> I got my market, mm-hmm. I got my marketing strategy hat on now. <laughs> No, it's true. And it's, I think it's marketing and it's also like value-based, right? Really? Like if I'm all about supporting people, helping them um, and assisting them in, in being the best version of themselves, you know, and moving forward, then if, if divorce is not the thing, then then it's not. Then it's something else. It's, then it's good communication that it's sticking to the family. And, and I believe in family. I believe in, in that in in that um you know having that structure and that and that and that um entity um and if there's a way we can save it then 100 percent, i would i would do anything to to help people do that well, and the long the long game for for everyone is that even if you then still get decide to get divorced the chances of it being amicable just increase because your communication is more effective. <laughs> you know, th- yes, then you're the, you're yes. that couple we know, the rare couple we all know that's like got divorced and it was the best thing ever happened. And then they're friends and they have houses across the street with the kids. And, but those stories are easy to remember because there's so few of them <laughs> that I, that I personally yes, know. It of. goes a very long way. Uh, so, yeah. so interesting. So for you from the evolution of the business, uh, you've been successful. It's been probably, I can't even imagine, I can't imagine that amount of work it's been. But what do you see the future? Is it does this stay in Alberta? Does it expand beyond? Like as you on your journey now, which is ultimately what this podcast mm-hmm. is about, is kind of your your mm-hmm. growth as our as our main character. Where do you see the future, and what kind of what gets you excited about the next five years? I think um, you know conversations like this, where um, you know what else can can we do to support people? You know, first Alberta based, then then Canada. Um, I have a like trusted divorce has a sister business it's called divorce navigator and it's still a baby business but the whole idea behind divorce navigator is connecting people thinking or going through divorce with professionals that can help them beyond you know the paralegal or the mediator uh, maybe a counselor maybe financial uh, advisor and so i've always thought of like the you know divorce from a wholesome perspective like what other angles can we support people with like when i have someone in my office uh, i had uh, a male client the other day and he's just he wanted 
wanted the divorce, like he wanted out of the relationship and they went through mediation and, um, and he's just signing the documents with me and he broke down into tears because he's worried about his kids. Um, he's, he doesn't have control over what his ex is, you know, saying or doing with the kids. And so he feels like, you know, he doesn't have control, doesn't know what to do. He's, he wants to be a better dad to them than he had that his parents have been to him. And so that's very important to him. So to see someone break down in front of you and like not to be able to help more, like I want to help him more. I want to give him, uh, you know, more support. I want to give him more skills. Um, and so these things really light me up because I'm like, what else can we do to support people from all, from all angles? Yeah, and to your point, it's so, you know, just because you signed the document, like it's not over, it's just starting, right? There's a whole nother phase yeah. of your life that's starting that back to what we talked about earlier, you haven't had any training in, it, you know, ultimately mm-hmm. it's, it's uncharted territory, but the stakes are very high, especially when there's, I'm, I'm only, I'm asking this because I think I, I, it seems obvious, but I can only imagine when there is children involved, that this is a very different conversation than when it's just two adults that have some assets and some liabilities and they can go their separate ways. How, how much mm-hmm. of a, how much more weight does it add to the situation, even for you and the role that you play in it when there is children involved? So we try our best to help them figure out a parenting schedule that's going to work for them, for the kids. Uh, we try to emphasize, you know, child support comes next, parenting comes first, right? Because a lot of a lot of people, you know, want to structure their parenting regime based on how much more or less they will be getting in child support. Right. So that, that's a, that's a whole other thing. Um, but um, and, and encouraging people like, you know, you get you get the, the mom that says he, they can be with me all the time. He can just pick them up, just text me when he wants to come by. I'm like, this is great. You're being open and, and, and flexible. But when are you going to have time for yourself? So, you know, it's um, set up the parenting in a parenting schedule in a way that's gonna give you some time to alone and also so that you can you know energize before you're you're, you know all these all these conversations that we try to like show them or tell them things that they may not be aware of because how would you know you've never you've never gone through it you've always had your kids with you all the time you've never had to a lot of you know people have never had to create a budget so now all of a sudden you have to figure out like do you have enough money to feed your kids to send them to school to do all these things so many so many factors so clearly it just makes it makes it more 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 complicated but so important to have like what i hear loud and clear is have, is have a plan mm-hmm. so zana mm-hmm. i have to ask it's been six years since you got your feedback on your soft skills so curious on your on your on your own journey i, I that's all i've heard from you today is caring and the human side of, of what you do while you're running this business which let's be honest business is tough and it's demanding and it can be very about the numbers and success, it's, I've heard a very different side from you in terms of like how much you actually care about the people you work with. So how's your journey been? I, how how your how your soft skills how your soft skills coming from your perspective? Because they seem pretty good from the outside. <laughs> thank you, thank you. This means a lot to me. I have to write it down to remember. No, <laughs> can, I, I, it's on a podcast. You can I, just go back and listen anytime you want. Oh yeah, I listen to the it compliment has been recorded for my, now. <laughs> for my all my morning, morning ritual. Um. I, I'm actually proud of myself that I d- did not feel sorry for myself and was like, well, I'm no good. Let me get back to that position and just do what I need to do. And, you know, I'm no good for anything more. I'm so glad that I trusted myself. And, and I'm actually very grateful of my husband because he stood by me and he was like, 
don't listen to them you know you're better than this and you can do it and he's always been a supporter to me and you know on on um during months and years where i did not make any money like he he took care of the family so i mean that's huge i think for a lot of men honestly they don't get that luxury to go out and and um and and reach for their dreams because they need to defeat the family they can't just quit their job and start something new so i'm really grateful for that but as far as aggressive assertive all of that um i think it's okay awesome. <laughs> i think i'm okay <laughs> i i know it's it, i think so much about everything in life is once you're aware it changes it. it doesn't mean you have to turn it off it's when you when behaviors kind of show up in your life and you're like what I, I wasn't, and you don't even realize that sometimes yeah. I can be an asshole, but you know what? I typically know when I'm doing it. And I think, I'm not saying that yeah. justifies it, but at least it allows me to be a little more in control of when I do it and maybe when I turn it off. <laughs> yes. 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 Be Behavioral be flexibility and self-awareness are very powerful tools that I think are, yes. are indispensable in any aspect of life. So I really appreciate your honesty today and kind of willing to share the journey because it's so easy. And kind of the reason I started the show is I got really tired of when, People would say to me, oh, that person, oh, Zainab, she's so lucky that she has that business. I'm like, you don't even know the story. You have no idea the trials and tribulations. But taking the time and understanding and also humanizing what you've gone through for other people to hear, because we've all had those moments when we just got a punch and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to get up right now. But you got to get up and you got to deal with it and you got to go forward. And for most people I know that are successful, there's a story when they could have not been successful, where they went, they could have mm -hmm. went left and they went right. It's just we need to take the time to hear it because I think, you know, we're all human and it's messy and we all trip and fall, sometimes in a mud puddle and sometimes not. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sorry, I was very, mm -hmm. very philosophical, but I really appreciate your honesty today. I, did, I knew we were going to have a good chat. I just didn't, I wasn't sure where it was going to go. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good chat with you. Congratulations on the business. What's if someone's listening and, uh, hey, maybe they just want to have a chat or maybe they're at a different phase where they want to have an amicable divorce. I really appreciate your value proposition is like, if you want to get divorced, that's fine. But if you want an amicable divorce, come to us. What's the best way for people mm -hmm. to reach out and get a hold of you and have a conversation? So our website has a quiz um, that leads people through to what the best divorce route is for them. Okay. Uh, it's right on the, on the, on the homepage of the website and the website is trusted divorce services. Half the time, a third of the cost, constructive divorce. I, I like your, I like your, and you got a TM on there for sure. I'm looking at it at your page right now. You know, half the time and a third of the cost. That's a compelling value proposition unto itself. And be amicable and not hate each other at the end. That's another layer that I appreciate is what I'm hearing is, is a big part of what you guys try to deliver. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, and I also want to mention that I'm running a webinar. Uh, it's free, oh, nice. and it's um, every first Thursday of the month at three o'clock. Um, it's called Split Shift, and it's specifically for people who have shift work, who are busy, who want to take the time to deal with divorce and to strategize it, but they but they don't. This uh, webinar is so powerful because it gives them all information on all the pillars of divorce parenting, um, the division of assets, as well as the divorce process. If anybody's thinking of trying to do the divorce on their own, kind of a DIY divorce, yeah. do it through the website, or whatever, they can. They could also um, come to this webinar and they'll get some good information about it. So it's Split Shift and they can go to splitshift.ca okay. or they can also go on our website and there's a button there for it uh, for them to register. Right. So the next one is coming up um, next week, but um, there's one uh, for every month. Okay, so it's on, you said on the third Thursday of the month at 3 p.m. Mountain Time. 
It's uh, we we have it on the first Thursday. Oh, for, right first, now. okay, first Thursday. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm like, which I'm, I'm, you said the coming up. So first Thursday of the month, and we'll share it. We'll put it out there to the audience so they can find a link to it. That's great. I appreciate you. you investing. I, when anyone takes the time to put out content and to just contribute to their audience through that, because hey, as you and I talked offline, it doesn't content doesn't create itself. You got to put in the time and put in the effort. But it's such a good way mm -hmm. to give your also your potential customers an opportunity to learn and, and get an experience of what it is to work with you. So kudos to you guys for doing that. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for the conversation today. Thank you for your honesty, your candor, and clearly the work you do. I think more amicable anything in our society is a, is a plus. Yes. Thank you so much, Tyler, for having me. It was great. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Bye.